What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's a new year, it's a new decade, and more importantly, it's a new year of BTB Podcast. First episode of the year, I think we're at number seven overall, and uh, it's time to get things rolling. Enough talking, enough um, planning, and keeping you guys updated along the way. Had a busy semester going on, so I took a break, but now we're approaching uh, spring lacrosse, so I'm ready to get things rolling. Uh, We're not going to get to some NCAA lacks yet. We got a great episode on deck, however, dealing with PLL. We'll have uh, what I believe the protected rosters are going to be. Every team submitting their 11-man picks by, I believe it's January 13th. And then uh, what I think the Water Dogs uh, LC is going to look like as a result of the expansion draft. And we'll kind of just talk about those things and um, sort of what the league will look like uh, at the start of the summer. So uh, let's roll the intro and not waste any time. On his second straight in overtime, Salcido down the alley to the middle. Tromboli in traffic shoots. The freshman his career start. 12-11 the final. Wow! Seven seconds left. Stotts is going to have to let it fly. He checks the clock. Rice with one. Oh! It's over. Rice to Donahue. Ball game. Behind the back, and the shot to go by Greg Burns. And give the assist to Paul Gates with a nice behind-the-back pass to Burns. Quick speed. Oh, what a play! Miles Thompson, the catch, and behind-the-back release. It's unbelievable. Man, oh man, never get tired of that intro. Mind you, some of those moments included in there from the Syracuse lacrosse are some of the best of the decade, while that's sort of been the topic swirling around the lacrosse universe. Um, If you haven't read uh, Dom Starja's top 50 players the last 50 years, uh, definitely check it out. That's probably one of the brighter minds in all of lacrosse, and he uh, has some some great picks and insight and uh, throws in some more cooler-specific awards. He had some smoothest hands, best passer, um... I think, you know, best that wasn't an All-American. There's some cool stuff, so that's worth checking out. But, like I said, let's get right into it. So, PLL, like I said, January 13th, they're going to have to submit their rosters, their 11-man protected crew. Um, but before we get to that, let's start off with the um, the newest addition to our, our favorite league here, Water Dogs LC. So originally, I think you guys might have seen my story I posted on Instagram. You might have seen some buzz on Twitter uh, that this name actually had been leaked. Some information, uh, some screenshots or a video, I think it was, of a an online store showing merchandise that had the logo, the name, and people were wondering, you know, is this real? Um, I know a friend of mine in the Twitterverse tweeted out a photo of that, and Mike Rabel actually asked him to take it down immediately via Insta, or I'm sorry, Twitter DMs. So that kind of got us thinking, you know, maybe this is real. But, you know, damage control, regardless if it's true or not, you don't want any speculations ruining the ultimate surprise. But it turned out to be true. So uh, as you guys have all seen it, sure, by now, you got the pretty sweet logo, uh, the colors, you know, purple, not a magenta, that's more pink, but purple, um, darker and lighter shades. Um, I really like the color combo. I think it's definitely sets itself apart um, from most of the logos and uh, color schemes we have now. I always thought it'd either be a purple or a yellow, uh, just because we have no teams like that, really. 
Um, I was a big fan of the logo. I think it looks pretty clean. Um, but I think overall, from a broader perspective, I'm not a huge fan of the name um, and also the logo. Even though I just said I liked it, I don't think the logo fits sort of the theme of the other team club names and logos. I don't think the name and logo fit the same vibe of the original six. And I know expansion is sort of new and creating something more and expanding upon what you already have. Um, but, but I still think it could have been a little more stylistically the same. You know, none of the logos are as involved as the water dogs want. And the name, there's no name that really represents any sort of like animal or, or tangible thing. You know, the redwoods are, are, are you know, trees. The logo is kind of this simplistic bear. You know, the chaos that's sort of, you know, like an adjective or, a, or you know, just a word. You know, archers, atlas, you know, they're kind of unique, cool names. That's why I was, you know, more of a fan of bolts or stones or grit or rain. You know, I, I thought those would have been more fitting in terms of the theme that these teams have. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I think it's pretty cool. I'm sure it'll grow on all of us as a whole. You know, Water Dogs, Dogs LC. I like calling it just the dogs. Um, but, but you know, I think the jerseys and what, what they're going to come up with is going to be really cool. If you haven't watched the video Paul Rabel put out, the state of the league, um, he sort of explains their whole process and thinking behind creating the new team. And they did their due diligence, and, you know, they've done great marketing um, jobs so far so i'm sure they did plenty of research and they explained that more in the video so check that out if you're having any more questions uh sort of about the new team um, but those are sort of my thoughts um the only thing other trouble i had uh was the motto so every game is a revenge game i believe it was and it's pretty cool i like it however when paul explains the the reasoning behind the motto uh in that same video um, he sort of explains that, you know, all these players on the team, you know, weren't kept by their former clubs. You know, they were sort of, you know, we don't want you or we don't think you, you're necessary to our success. And, um, you know, that's sort of a revenge game. You know, every game you're playing, you're possibly playing against your former club. So I think the idea of it was cool. I only thought that going forward, the motto runs into an issue because through drafts and more trades, you know, is that team still going to be that way are they still going to be looking for revenge you know eventually guys are going to get older presumably that guys let go by their former teams were older or weren't as skilled so maybe they're not in the league in a few years or maybe they decide to do something else or again through trades and drafts is that necessarily going to be a fitting motto for that club down the road um you know that's sort of my main my main point, uh, whether you guys even get from the MLL, you know, that, that still doesn't really fit their, um, their agenda in terms of them as a player. So that was my only, my only last gripe about it. But I think overall, you know, the logo, the colors, I think it's going to be a sweet, fresh new addition, uh, to the league. So that's sort of being said, you know, um, it also makes me wonder about, um, you know, you don't maybe not have those attention grabbing players. Obviously, all the star power is going to be kept on their former clubs. Um, so sort of what identity is this new team going to have? It's probably going to be, you know, scrappy and, you know, some guys and just people that work hard. But it makes me wonder if Rob Pinnell has any sort of uh, any sort of chance or um, ties to this new team. I couldn't see 
the uh, the PLL not wanting a face to this team, some to draw fans to, to draw media attention to. You know, all the teams have their faces of the club. You know, you got Connor Fields, Jared Newman. You know, you had Greg Beast at least for the Woods, but now there's Garnsey, Hennenberg, the Atlas, obviously Rabel, Baptiste. So you kind of need that leading that leading name and face to sort of put on as the uh, as the headliner for this new team. And I thought. Why not Rob Pinnell? We've heard plenty of rumblings that he wants to maybe switch. He's not happy with the MLL. And it makes me wonder if, you know, maybe he's that guy to do it, an all-world an all world attackman to headline this new team and sort of and lead them and have that, that star power punch uh, for viewers and, and just fans alike. So moving on uh, to the last piece of this new team is the head coach uh, just recently a couple days ago announcing the former Fairfield Stags coach Andy Copeland uh, would be the uh, would be the new coach for the Water Dogs Um, you know didn't know much about the guy I can't say I knew a lot before doing some uh, some background research but um, you know he posted uh, it says a a 54% win record uh, 82 and 69 uh, with the Stags over his 10 seasons as coach. Uh, he owns a 12-year NCAA Division I head coaching record of 184, which also balances out to 54% again. Uh, he had two years where he coached at Maris in 2004 and 2005, actually led them to a MAC champ- conference championship. Well, that's one of three in their history as a program, so that's pretty impressive to take over year one and two to have that kind of success. Um, over his period uh, of his 10 years, he was ranked seven times nationally, um, with his with the uh, with Fairfield, he won Coach of the Year in 2015 um, in the CAA conference. Uh, he's coached actually a few major upsets over the years. Back in 2013, uh, they defeated number one Denver, who, if I'm not mistaken, would go on to win the national championship that year, either 2013 or I'm sorry, 2015. Denver won, but regardless, number one overall Denver, they took him down, and in 2010, they took down. Um, excuse me for that. And they took down Notre Dame in 2010, uh, a year in which the Irish actually went to the national championship game. So um, he, he's, uh, he's, he's been a solid coach um, throughout the years. Uh, he's gone to the ECAC championship game three times back when uh, Fairfield was, was in that, 2011 to 2014, I believe. Um, and the CAA championship he went to once, which was before they, uh, after they made the transition in 2015 to the CAA conference. Um, other than that, yeah, like I said, um, that's just from some background research. Um, but it's definitely somebody who's, uh, fresh in the game, uh, in terms of college lacrosse and just lacrosse in general. Uh, I think the speed and, you know, the sort of the style, this isn't a guy who's sort of been out of it or maybe was a former MLL coach. Um, I think the, I think he'll be able to do well. Um, and he's a solid winner. So could be temporary. Somebody else could take over down the road or he could do fine. Um, I only wish him the best, but yeah, Andy Copeland, head coach of the Water Dogs. All right, so now let's get into the protected rosters I think that each team will have when they have to submit it going into the expansion draft. But let me make a note first. Uh, You probably heard a phone call go off, the ringer go off in the previous segment towards the end. Uh, I wasn't able to edit it out, but it was for good reason. A uh, buddy of mine was trying to let me know that Rick Beardsley was just named an assistant to the Atlas LC. Uh, if you don't know who Rick Beardley, Beardsley is, shame on you. Uh, he was an All-American at Syracuse, 
one of the best takeaway defensemen arguably ever in the sport of lacrosse. Uh, he actually played at the neighboring uh, rival town of mine, uh, Lakeland High School, uh, in the 90s, part of a golden era of Section 1 lacrosse, but he is an absolute legend. Uh, I believe he coaches uh, Christian Brother Academy, CBA as it's known in upstate New York, uh, in the Syracuse area, and he's an absolute wild man. Um, but uh, he loves defense, and... Um, he did, uh, I guess they hired him for uh, the Atlas for this season, so that's pretty sweet. Um, that's literal breaking news minutes ago on Twitter, and that's what that phone call was for. So didn't uh, didn't interrupt um, for uh, for any bad reasons. So uh, let's now move on to the rosters once and for all. Uh, so first, I have um, first we have the Archers. Um, so again, this is ten positional players uh, and one goalie. So um, I'm going to obviously just go listing down uh, what I think, 1 through 11, and sort of just elaborate. So 1, I'm going to say Marcus Holman, uh, 2, uh, Will Manny, and 3, I think Christian Cuccinello will round out the attack. Uh, I think he complimented them very well, uh, the other two, and I think he was a little better than Ryan Ambler. Um, in terms of the middies, I'm going Tom Schreiber. Ben McIntosh, and I actually have Dominique Alexander. I think that's somebody that they're going to want to protect. Uh, he was great for them as a short stick D midi. And um, given that if a player is not drafted by the Water Dogs in the expansion draft, they come back to their original team. So I think they'd rather prize their good D midi and uh, run the risk of getting back if they lose out on a few, one or two. At most, they'll get back their uh, their bench and other second-line middies. Um, but I think you obviously want to keep Schreiber and McIntosh, but I think they may want to hang on to uh, Alexander. As far as the defense goes, um, I'm going Jackson Place, Scott Ratliff, and um, I believe it's Bra- um, McMahon. I'm forgetting his first name. Pardon me. Um, but uh, then their Fogo as their last 10th player is going to be Stephen Kelly. I think they have to keep their Fogo. Um, or not, but, um, I, I think they definitely are going to want to do that. And then for their choice of goalie it's probably one of the bigger dilemmas in terms of the entire, um, protected rosters is, um, whether they go with Drew Adams or, uh, Gittleman. So Adams started seven games and Gittleman started nine. I know they like to work it as Gittleman started most games and Adams would finish out the second half. Um, I think they'll go with Gittleman just because if he can start the games well. And I think he had the better percentage. But again, that's so hard to do between halves um, of games and not full games. Save percentage. You know, defense works better one half or the other. There's too many variables. But I think they'll roll with Gittleman. So Adams will be left to be drafted if the Water Dogs do so, please. Uh, one other dilemma I had and it can be extremely involved or extremely simple, but we love to uh, we love to explore uh, debates on this podcast. And my question is, do they have to protect Pat Spencer? Because I think most people forget the Archers drafted Spencer last year with their first round pick, um, but he obviously is playing basketball at Northwestern this season, and he did not play or elect to play in the summer because he was working on basketball and doing summer workouts, etc., um, if they know he's coming to the PLL, do they have to use a spot for him? Um, it's a big question because I think I'd obviously want to keep him over 
Cuccinello or Ambler, whoever they decide is that third attackman. But again, that's if he decides to join the Archers this season. I can't imagine he doesn't try to join the PLL. Some people speculate he's going to try to continue basketball, but I don't see it at all. Um, but the rules given by the league on the draft go as follows. It says certain players will be excluded from the eligible pool of players during the expansion draft and will not need to be protected by their existing cl uh, lacrosse club. This list includes active military members and rookie holdouts, meaning they did not make one appearance on a travel roster during the 2019 season. So to me, whether Spencer being a draft pick still counts as a rookie, although he didn't join the team, but considering he also wasn't on a travel roster, makes it some sort of weird technicality. I have no idea. None of this could matter, and he could join the team anyway, given the 25-man roster and 18-man travel roster each team will have for the season. But I can't imagine that they haven't communicated about this up to this point um, with the draft coming pretty soon and the rosters having to be set in. So who knows? Um Kind of just wanted to throw that out there. I think it's kind of interesting. Regardless, Pat Spencer may be on the Archers next year, and that's going to be scary. We'll save that for another episode. We'll move on to the Atlas now. Uh, I think first player above all is obviously Trevor Baptiste. He led the league by 12 percentage points in faceoffs. Um, he was outstanding, and obviously the way the faceoffs have gone in this league, they're going to keep him. I think after that, um, you go Rabel, Connor Busick, and Joel Tinney. And then uh, as far as middies and then attack, you're just going to keep what you had. Ryan Brown, Kieran McArdle, and Eric Law. Eric Law, one of the most efficient finishers in the league. We saw that trending throughout the rest the whole season and towards the end. Um, I think they go uh, Tucker Durkin to anchor that defense. You go Cade Van Raphorst because he's young and very talented. And you go Kyle Hartzell because he's a dynamic LSM. And again, I think they'll luck out with getting back either an Austin Pafani or a Callum Robinson uh, to, you know, bolster that defense if they need to. Because, again, if a player's not drafted by the Dogs, they will go back to their previous club. Uh, and as for their goalie, obviously Alex Kincannon, one of the better keepers in the whole league, MVP of the All-Star Game. He's a stud. Next, we're going to go Redwoods. I'm going to say Jules Hennenberg at attack, Matty Ice at attack, Matty Cavanaugh, and Ryder Garnsey, who is... The most polarizing player probably in the second half of the season once he started playing uh, in that starting role. I think he had like 24 points to end the year. It was impressive. He played great in the championship. Had that ridiculous lefty no-angle goal. Um, he's just too fun to watch, and I cannot see that they don't keep that attack line going. Uh, Joe Walters at midi. Sergio Salcido, I think they'll keep because he's just so quick, and he's got a hard shot. I think he's just good for the speed and the pace, and I, I, I just think he was better than some of their other options. Um, I think then they do as their third mini, Kyle Harrison. I can't see them letting him go. He's been a fan favorite. He's been a league favorite, and um, although he had, I think, three or four points all the whole season, um, I just can't see them not keeping Kyle Harrison. If they don't, I'd imagine maybe Brent Adams sneaks in as the third mini. Um, but again, that beats me, but I, I think they'll keep Kyle Harrison. Um, as far as the defense goes, this is a, this is, there's a, you can pick from the litter here. I'm going to go with Garrett Eppel, uh, one of the better on ball defenders, Eddie Glazner, fantastic. And then Colin Sexton. 
Um, I think you have plenty of people to choose from on that defense, but those are the ones who started the most, had the better stats. Um, you have, obviously, Matt Landis, Larkin Kemp, Brian Carolunas, Jack Near, Patrick Harbison. I mean, their defense is just loaded. We've known that all year. The Woods have just – they have personnel out the wazoo. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think that's who their three close guys will be. Uh, they're, a question mark I have for them at, at Fogo is whether they keep Grenlian or not. Because do you maybe trade up or try to use a pick in the draft on a Fogo like TD Yearland uh, if he's available or, like I said, if they have to trade up to do that? Um, to use a protected slot on a pretty old aging wonder uh, in Greg Beast who was not available to you for a good chunk of the season, uh, including the championship because of hamstring issues, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe you value your defense more and you try to keep a Harbison, Shorty, or a Carolunas from the, as the LSM. Um, I think that's something interesting to keep an eye out for. Um, again, that's probably only if you want to draft a Fogo and you're not looking at any other talent because um, as far as I'm concerned, their attack in D is fine. Um, so that, that was just something I thought could possibly be interesting and um, – We'll see. Again, all speculation, but fun to talk about. And lastly, for the goalie, I keep stopping before the goalie, uh, the rookie of the year, Tim Troutner. Um, he was just outstanding uh, coming out of high point. And um, I think the Woods will be uh, in a uh, in good spot. Next up is going to be the chaos. Uh, we got Connor Fields, duh, Josh Byrne, and Miles Thompson. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That, of course, if those guys aren't broken at any point, <laughs> Byrne and Thompson missing those span of five games due to injury. Um, but this is a deadly trio with tons of tricks up their sleeves. And I, I, I don't see any reason to break that up. Um, at midi, you got Fricaro, miles Jones and Deemer class. I think miles Jones is going to have a big, uh, bounce back year. I think he only finished with about 16 points. Um, the guy's a specimen. He puts up NFL combine numbers in the weight room. Um, it, like, He's just a beast. He's too good to not have had as stellar of a season. I think he steps it up in Deemer class. is just 22 classy. The guy uh, the guy keeps it real, and um, he's a very solid midfielder. I think the defense, you go Jared Newman. I think you keep Brody Merrill, and then you go Jack Rowlett. The last spot's a tough call, um, I think, um, between the Fogo, uh, meaning the number 10 spot here, not the last spot of the defense. Uh, the last spot, I think, is interesting just because you have Mark Glassini. He's so outstanding. He soaks those shots. He's a he's a life of that defense along with Newman. Um, but obviously, I think you're going to want to keep your Fogo, Thomas Kelly. Um, it's tough, but I think you can definitely hope Glassini falls back in your lap after the draft, um, given some of the other good shorties out there that the dogs may want to choose. But that's a tough one if you have to lose Glassini because, like we've said, face-offs are huge, and I think you got to hang on, each team only really having one good Fogo. Um, so we'll have to see again uh, with that. And then, obviously, Blaze Reardon, uh, the goalie of the year, um, in my opinion, as well. Um, he will round out that list of 11 for the chaos. Uh, almost done here. we got Whip Snakes. You know, obviously the MVP Rambo. To lead that team, uh, number two, winner, winner, Ryan Drenner. And uh, three, Connor Kelly. I think he stays at attack. He's listed as a midfielder, but he's done most of his damage as an attackman. 
He was playing attack um, in the championship, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think that's their their attack line. I think you go f- uh, for middies, Channon Chuck, uh, John Hawes. And the third midi slot gets interesting, whether they choose Ben Reeves as an attackman and Connor Kelly as a midfielder. But in that situation, again, you have Ty Warner, one of the better shorties uh, in the league. Do you use a slot on him as a midfielder or do you use your 10th slot on him? But again, I think over the Fogo, especially Nardella, he, I think he was the second best Fogo the whole year. Um, I don't know if you're doing that. So my question is, does one of their three middies go to a D midi? Another good question, another thing to look out for. Um, but Bryce Young I have for the first def- for uh, the first defender, Michael Earhart. I think you have to keep him. He's arguably the best at his position. Um, just, just a beauty. Um, and then Tim Muller as their close defense. Again, I think with defenders... At most, because the dogs are drafting 18 players, at most they're picking three guys from each club. So I think um, I think they're going to just roll and, and rely on getting back one of their defenders um, from the draft. I think you got to keep um, uh, Michael Earhart uh, um, over just the third pole, uh, which they had a number of guys uh, take that slot. Like I said, 10 is going to be Nardella, their face-off guy. And lastly, Burnlar. Um, another outstanding goaltender and lastly we got the chrome so as far as the chrome goes i think the attack is a very attack um oriented team um uh you have justin gutterding one uh two uh the big bad wolf jordan wolf and three this is interesting simon matthias is who i think they'll roll with the guy out of uh, upenn he was a rookie he had seven points which is alarmingly low but no other attackman on the roster had more points than that. So there really was a question mark at the third attack uh, throughout the season, which I thought was interesting upon looking through the rosters when I was making this list. Um, that kind of stuck out to me. Um, but as far as the middies go, a great midfield team. You got Ned Crotty, uh, Jordan McIntosh, and then John Rannigan. I think they're going to keep Rannigan. Um, I think he, he stood out over most of their other guys. And uh, the other interesting point about this team was the Chrome defense. It seemed to shift around a lot. No single player on defense had 10 games started. The closest was nine, and that was Michael Manley. So I'm probably going to roll with him for one, being consistent and leading the team and cause turnovers as well. As far as the other two polls, I think Jill White, you got to keep him. Whether you play him close or use him as LSM, he's an all-time great. You got to keep him. And just because of that one-handed Indian pickup he had, that ground ball, I think off that alone, you got to keep him. And the number eight uh, is a toss-up. It's either Chris Sabia or Joe Fletcher. They have a difference of one game started. Um, as far as trying to reach back and remember, it really felt like I heard their names an even amount of times. None, neither of them were outstanding in terms of taking away the ball. Um, that, that's sort of a toss up. I'm not really sure who they roll with. Maybe just Chris Sabia. Cause he's a one year removed from college. He's, he's young. Um, you know, Colin Farrell at the X, I think, um, obviously again, running with that theme of Fogos and then 10, you go John Galloway over Brett Queener. Uh, cause the last time I checked the Chrome had an Instagram post, uh, deeming Galloway as quote their guy, which sort of gives me the notion that he's going to be the one that's kept over Brett Queener. Obviously, you had that controversy at the end of the season with him hitting Jules Hennenberg late in the head uh, and getting ejected, which was a controversy for sure. Um, 
But I, I definitely think you roll with John Galloway, who's again a, an all-time player um, from Syracuse. So that's going to round out the six the six teams. Um, again, this is a lot of speculation, but I think for the most part it comes down to that midi slot, whether you get that D midi or just an, an outstanding LSM instead of a pole. Kind of those two those third spots of the midis and the defense seems to be the biggest. Um, um, ifs um so to speak uh when it comes to picking these rosters um but lastly like i was saying as a result of this uh of these protected rosters we're gonna have to look at what the water dogs are gonna be dealt uh and potential is a big key word here because like we're saying with each team having their own variables that leads for a lot of ifs for the water dogs um players to choose from so we obviously don't know that but again we all love to spec speculate in sports um so let's see by january 15th the water dogs will have to pick their their clubs they're gonna have two days after the rosters are submitted to choose their uh team so here's what i think they might go with they get to pick 18 players um so that's about that's a starting lineup and about five guys on the bench so i think in terms of attack uh it's gonna go westberg from the redwoods um, I think you maybe go with Ryan Ambler or Cuccinello, again, who they decide to pick from the Archers. Uh, maybe a Clark Peterson from the Redwoods. That would be two guys from the Woods, but um, that's a, that's sort of a, in a, a back and forth there, whether who they decide to choose, either an Ambler or Cuccinello, because if it's Cuccinello, I would take him over Clark Peterson. Um, but again, like we're saying, but we're just going to roll through it. Um, in a third attack, I said Eric Scott from the Chaos. He did fantastic when he filled in uh, for Byrne and uh, Thompson when they were uh, both out. Eric Scott was uh, originally a midfielder. They bumped him down, and he played great for the Chaos during that stretch, as was Connor Fields. Um, makes you wonder whether Connor Fields getting the attention. He benefited from it as a finisher or um, catching those in tight passes and just doing the dirty work. Again, so I don't know if having somebody who's not really much of a distributor, although Ambler did uh, have a majority assists, I think, from his stat line. It might have been 10 assists, 11 assists, and a handful of goals. So we'll see. It's definitely as scarce at the attack position. Obviously, we know attack is so uh, heavy, and most of the great players are attackmen in this league. Um, so that's going to be the lineup, either Eric Scott, Westberg, and then a Clark Peterson or a Ryan Ambler. So that's the attack. As far as middies go... It, it was kind of this that one this was tough um i said matt danowski from the chrome and i said romark dennis from the chrome um i didn't see a better better two guys out there from other teams um like i said the chrome were a, were a midi heavy team they had you know they got karate ranigan and uh, mcintosh so uh, there were guys left over that i think that they're going to leave on the table so i think if you definitely want to scoop danowski up you know he, he's a veteran He's a great player, and Romar Dennis is that young, firepower, two-point range, split dodge. Um, he's great. And then third, you got uh, Brent Adams from the Redwoods. Again, you know, whether they keep Kyle Harrison or not. Um, and even uh, Sergio Perkovic from the Redwoods. Um, you know, he struggled all season. I think if he comes back, he might be a little more motivated to hit those deep shots because uh, we all know he's got the range for it. He balled out in the playoffs. He was definitely essential in that Redwoods comeback in the championship and he may have proved a little value 
um, which may help him out. So I, I think it's probably a, a Donowski, Romar Dennis, and then maybe a Brent Adams, maybe Perkovic instead in terms of a midfield lineup. In terms of short stick D mids, because uh, you have room to sort of, you got room to pick guys like that. Um, it could it could be anybody. It's again going back to whether teams decide to keep their shorties or not. You got Glassini, Ty Warner, Dominique Alexander, Harbison, Unterstein, Jack Near. I mean, you name it. One from every team, pretty much. Um, and uh, they could pick at least one of those guys um, to just make sure you got one solid D midi. Because those guys have all put in work, and it's not like the middies are just blowing by them. They, they have some very uh, very definite value. Um, so that's a wild card, I think. And then LSM is pretty similar. I think you maybe go with a Troy Ray or a Brian Carolunis. Um, Ray from the Chaos, uh, that an Albany grad from uh, two years ago, I believe. Um, uh, he's, a, he's a solid player. He's offensively capable as well. Um, yeah, and a Carolunas, who again, if, whether the Woods decide to keep him or a Harbison maybe over uh, Grenlian, we don't know. But moving on to the defense, um, this one, like I mentioned with the Redwoods, they had a litany of players. Um, it goes, I say they pick Matt Landis. I say they try to take Carolunas or Larkin Kemp from the Woods if they can. And uh, lastly, an Austin Pafani or a Calum Robinson from Atlas. I think that could be a solid defense. Uh, Pafani, Kemp, and Landis, or uh, Carolunas, Landis, and Pafani. I think that could uh, that could be a solid uh, solid line out of who's available and who's been proven at least to be good. Um, but again, that also goes back uh, again and again to whether uh, who who keeps who. Uh, as far as faceoffs, I think you go with Fowler from the Archers. He was the secondary one. His percentage really wasn't that terrible. Um, but he got enough reps where um, I think that's who you go with unless some other team decides to offer up a Fogo because they draft one in the in the in the upcoming draft. So that that's that seems like the best thing to me. Maybe they go with Grenlian to get a name out there and he's healthy and, and maybe he does well. Again, speculation at its finest. Uh, but the goalie, I think, is pretty clear. I think it's going to be whoever the archers don't keep, uh, which may be, like I said, uh, Adams um, instead of Gittleman. Um, so, and I think that's that'll be huge for them because getting a goalie is essential. You know, we've seen that. You know, not as great goalies definitely haven't helped. The Chrome struggled on that end. Uh, I think Galloway will bounce back though. Um, but that. We, we definitely, you as a new club, you're going to want face-offs and goalies. That's going to be big, more so than any of the other personnel. As far as their bench goes, um, that I really wasn't able to narrow. There's just so many different names, uh, so many different guys. It's just so hard to pick when most of these guys who aren't being kept didn't have a lot to show during the season. Four or five games started, if not less. Um, you know, I had Queener as a backup because you definitely need a backup goalie. Um, I think that would be a solid choice. I originally had Jacob Stover, uh, who didn't get any burn, but it's cause he's behind blaze Reardon. So, I mean, you know, that's understandable, but Stover was outstanding at, uh, at Loyola. Um, but I think you want to go with a, a proven commodity, especially with, um, you know, especially if somebody goes down, um, with your original goalie pick being Adams. So I think with Brett Queener, I mean, he did, he did, he did great enough last year with the Chrome, I think you go Danny Ipe out of the Archers, uh, midfielder. 
uh, won the fastest uh, man in the league during the All-Star weekend. Uh, I think you could grace in terrain out of the chaos. He's just a solid offensive body. I mean, Andy Towers called him the best athlete on the team. Um, so I think you definitely want somebody for a team that's going to be scrappy, gritty, just working hard. You definitely want a workhorse that's just athletic to work around there, play defense or whatever you got to do on offense. There's even Jared Bernhardt um, in terms of attack. Um, and it, it, again, this this was tough. Um, you Jay Carlson, Joe Lacasio, that's an attack in midi from the whips. Um, again, there's Jack Neer, like I said, a D midi slot. Ugh, jeez. Um, Max Tuttle from the Chrome, you know, Cloutier is an attackman, you know, to be able to sub in based on matchups. Ian McKay from the Archers. It, it goes on and on. Again, there wasn't much to choose from beyond those starting positions, let alone to pick a bench. And we don't know. We really don't know. We'll see how uh, Copeland as a head coach and uh, the other guys in the as on the staff decide to roll with what kind of team they want to try to put together. Maybe guys they've coached in the past or, jeez, uh, who knows. But as far as I know, uh, that's what I think the Dogs roster might look like. So roughly Eric Scott, Wes Berg, and Ryan Ambler on attack. Uh, Donowski, Romar Dennis, and uh, Brent Adams, <clears throat> excuse me, on midi. Short stick, any one of them, Glassini, Warner, Alexander, Harbison, Unterstein, Jack Neer, any of those guys that aren't protected by their teams. Um, and LSM, you know, Troy Ray, I think, a Carolunas, if he's available. Um, in terms of D, you know, Matt Landis, Carolunas again, you know, how you want to play him closer, LSM, Larkin Kemp, and uh, Austin Pafani. Face-offs, you're going to go Brendan Fowler and goalie um, Adams uh, out of the Archers. So that's what I think the final roster be. And that's what I think the six team rosters will be as well. Um, this is coming up. It's just next week. Uh, today's the sixth. And uh, by the 13th, we're, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be seeing on social media uh, what the teams are putting out there. So it's definitely really exciting. Uh, just quick, um, short and uh, concise episode for today. Uh, next week's we'll definitely be looking at some uh, NCAA rankings and schedules for some uh, college teams. And obviously I'll be putting out something once the water dogs team is announced and we'll compare it to what, uh, what my, uh, what my uh, speculation was. So this should be fun. We can only wait and see. Thanks again, everybody for tuning in. I'm glad to be back and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Happy new year. Happy 2020. And, um, Wishing you all well.